What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have guest Lael Wilcox, who is an ultra-endurance bike rider and racer. What's going on, Lael? How are you? Oh, I'm so good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, man, I, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. And, and I appreciate you being here. I'm very excited. So I think I found that the best way to start podcasts is to is to start from the beginning and figure out how you got into this world. And, you know, just and then also if you could kind of explain for people that are not familiar with your sport a little bit about what it is. I mean, it, it seems self-explanatory, but there's a lot more that goes into it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Lael. I'm from Alaska. I always did sports growing up, but I just rode a bike like around my neighborhood, just kind of kid stuff until I was in college. I got a job and I, it was four miles away and I had to get there. I've never owned a car. I've never driven. So I got a bike as like my first vehicle because I was like, oh, it's too far to walk got to get a bike. So uh, I started riding to and from work. And just doing that, I was like, Oh, my gosh, if I could ride to work, I could ride all over the city, I could ride to the next city to visit my sister. And this was in probably 2006 or so. Um, And then, uh, like, on that first long ride, which was something like 40, 50 miles, I'd never done anything like that. I was like, I don't even think I could make it. While I was riding, I was like, if I could ride to the next city, I could ride across the country. So within a couple months, I was doing that. And it just like kind of took over my life where I was like, I just want to travel on my bike. I, I want to connect the dots, you know, see all of the U.S. by bike. And and then that led me to traveling in Europe and South Africa and the Middle East. And I was working uh, at restaurants and bike shops to save money for half the year and then go travel for the other half. Um, but I didn't really see it as a sport. I was just like, oh, it's a really inexpensive way to travel. And it just like, it never got old, you know, just to see the way people lived and to spend all that time outside, spend all that time thinking. So that was kind of my, um, intro into the sport. And then there, like, while I was riding, I was always looking for interesting places to go. And so a lot of the resources were finding like these race routes. So bike pack racing, which is what I do is like, basically like racing across long distances, self-supported. Everyone starts together. Whoever gets to the end point first wins. Uh, so some of these races can take weeks. Um, like I've raced across the U S from Oregon to Virginia race down the Rockies from Canada to Mexico. And I was riding these routes just to, to travel. And then I ended up on a trip in Israel and realized I'd still be in the country when they were hosting the race. And I was like, well, why not? I'll just give it a shot. Um, and I was the only woman, I just had my, you know, very kind of low end touring bike and set up in a cotton t-shirt. And these guys thought I was just a total joke. They're like, what are you doing here? (laughs) And, uh, I was like, well, I don't know, you know, I just want to try it out. And then, uh, by the end of the first day, I was winning the whole race by like 25 miles. And they were like, what? (laughs) Like, how are you doing that? What are you doing? You know, and I was so excited. And I was just like, kind of found the thing that I was like, that I'm actually good at. I just had no idea I could do that because I'd never raced before. So this was like seven years ago. And then since then, I've just been kind of riding and racing and and fitting in as many different things as I can, but all on the bike. Um, And it's just been so cool to, you know, kind of meet people around the world and see places just buy bike and, and kind of make my own connection. So, uh, right now I'm in Spain. I finished a 900 mile road race two days ago, 
So I totally lost my voice, (laughs) but it was so cool. It was like these guys that are locals in Catalonia asked, Hey, can you come do our race? And it's the first year and they have so much heart for it. And they just basically made this route in the Pyrenees and all of Catalonia, which Mm. is kind of Northeastern Spain, just to show the places that they love the most. And I mean, what a gift for me to like come from the U.S. and just be able to go do that and see these places and get to know these people and um, in a place I've I've never been here before. I'd never ridden my bike in Spain, so it's been super cool. But I'm definitely toast, so exhausted. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. I bet. So when you you say self-supported, right? You you've got a tent. You've got your like. Can you take us through? Um, yeah, kind so, of some of your gear. I'm assuming it's it's got to be you're in the ultralight uh, camp, uh, right. the ultralight so way the, of things. The thing is, there aren't like any rules of what you need to bring or don't need to bring. So it's like, but you can't get any help along the way. So you couldn't have like a friend bring you equipment. You can't stay at somebody's house, but you can use like r- open resources. So like hotels, restaurants, shops, you know, that kind of thing. Like you can use any something that's available to anybody. So people make different strategies on what they bring. Uh, this past ride, I brought like a bivy, which is basically just a plastic bag to sleep in, mm-hmm. a sleeping bag and a sleeping pad. My friend that was racing only brought like a space blanket. And I was like, oh God, that's rough. How did that <laughs> you know, work Because you're sleeping on the ground. So you yeah. get cold. She's like, well, I can sleep for about 40 minutes and then I'd have to get moving because you just start shaking. I've done that before too. I'm like, oh, it's so light. And then you like at night, you're like shaking on the ground. You're like, well, that wasn't worth it. You know, so you kind of have to figure out what you actually need and what, what you don't need. But you, of course you want it to be as light as possible because it's going to be faster, especially up all the climbs. I mean, this past race, we climbed... 80,000 feet. Jeez. I mean, Everest is like 27,000, you know, it's like we're doing like three Everests. Yeah. Well, what, how are you feeling your body during this? Like what, like, what are you, are you training for these races? Like what are, what are you doing? I mean, I just ride, I ride all the time. So I'm always pretty much ready to go, but then yeah, the food thing is pretty interesting because you have to find it along the way. So then you really find out what's available in different countries. Like in Spain, they have these amazing Spanish tortillas, you know, like the egg and potato dish. So mm-hmm. I would just buy those and just be eating them on my bike. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I would buy like pints of ice cream and then carry it, let it melt and drink it. And I was like, oh, that's delicious. <laughs> Oh man, I love you. you. Know, this but, is great. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I mean, that's you can't eat enough. You know, it's like I would like look and be like, "You burned like fourteen thousand five hundred calories today." It's like there's no way you could eat that much. You know, no. but basically, you eat as much as you can, and then you eat a lot afterward, and it works out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, are you just shedding weight during these races? And like, how how depleted are you toward? I mean, how depleted are you towards the end? Like what, what yeah, is, I mean, what is going to keep the, you going? Where does your mind, where does your mind get to towards the end of a race? Is it a dark well, place? I mean, like, so no, because it's like, I decided to be out there, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it still has to be fun. And the other part of these races is generally there's no entry fee and there's no prize money. So it's like, you're not going to win anything. You're just out there for the sport of it, you know, like, cause you want to be there. Um, so I just, it's like, yeah, there are hard moments, but like, I try not to sink too far into the negativity. Are you yeah. guys still there? 
Yeah. 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 Can um, you hear Can you hear us? Yeah. There was yes, a little bit yeah. roboted out for a second, but you're good now. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the longer the race, kind of the more depleted you get really the, the worst part probably is the sleep deprivation. Um, because it's like, you kind of have to cut sleep, spend more time riding. Uh, there's no real way to make up that time. So, no, definitely. and that's super unhealthy. I mean, it, not sleeping is like the worst thing you could possibly do for yourself. So how, how many hours are you on the bike? I mean, I try to, I try to like eat all my meals while riding. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I'm like eating like a burger and I'm just pedaling <laughs> along just, anything but, you can take to go. Um, but then it's like, I do have to sleep. I also have to like get off my bike to pee. I have to like change my clothes, you know, but the, the thing is like trying to be efficient with time. So doing like multitasking, spending as much time riding as possible. But then it's like, it's always a strategy of like, when and where are you going to sleep? Where are you going to buy food? You know, all these things kind of come into consideration. And I've found, I've been doing this for I guess seven years now. And I used to like really cut the sleep and I've kind of gone back to like, I try to sleep like four hours a night if I can, because it mm-hmm. I just feels so much better. I ride faster. I enjoy it so much more, you know, so I've, I've kind of found a balance there. So you're, you think you're riding for like what, 20 hours, 20 hours a day, maybe, <sighs> maybe 18. Cause 18 you know, it's like, then there's all these other moments yeah. of, Oh, you have to go in the shop or you get a flat tire or whatever, you know, and you have to deal with that, which sucks. So if your bike breaks down, you're self-supported, you need to fix that. So do you, are you bringing yeah. tools as well? A bit, but not too much. Cause it's like, you can't bring everything, but it's like enough. Like usually the main thing is like make keeping air in your tires because like mm-hmm. a lot of the other stuff, if it doesn't work perfectly, you can still keep moving. Like, Oh, your shifting's not great. Your brakes, something's going on. But then like I, this past race, I was riding through a tunnel at one in the morning and I hit a huge pothole immediately. Both my tires just went dead flat. Like I slammed down oh. on the rims and I was, it was like in the dark and I was like, Oh no, like I'm in the middle of nowhere. And then I had to like sit on the side of this huge tunnel for an hour and a half, just trying to fix them. And the tires were like torn. The tubes were torn. I was like trying to patch them and I got, and it was on a road bike. So you have to run pretty high pressure because they're pretty mm-hmm. skinny tires. Mm-hmm. I got it to like, a, like basically like beach ball pressure. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> good enough. <laughs> I was like, I'll just keep going. I'll like try to find a bike shop because I have to buy new tires. Like I'm not going to, I still have like, I don't know, 350 miles to go. I was like, I'm not going to make it to the finish on this, but Mm -hmm. at least I can move forward. And so basically that I did that road for like another three hours, slept for an hour on the side of the road and then got up in the morning and found a bike shop and, and they had what I needed. I had to wait for an hour outside for them to open I was mm-hmm. like, because everything in Spain, like they all sleep in, oh, they like yes. take naps in the afternoon, mm-hmm. like nothing's ever open. You're like, oh God, and, yes. but they don't know I'm racing. You know, they're no. just like, they're just, I mean, that's the fun part is they're just like going through their normal life. And then you show up and you're like, Hey, I'm racing. I need help. And then <laughs> like the, my mechanic, the mechanic guy was like, he got so excited. He's like, I'm going to race next year. And so he is, he like wrote the organizers. He's like all in, you know, again, that's the cool part is like, you don't have to qualify for these races. You could just show up, you know? Yeah. And so it's, you get like such a random group of people. I bet. Well, it's definitely 
you're definitely going to attract some some amazing odd characters in a race like this because this is not something that everyone would do. It seems like a lot of fun and it seems like a great community. Um, It's it's that is wild. So what like you you've done a fair bit of just traveling around and I was wondering like what what do you think this is going to be a hard question. I definitely want to get back to racing, but uh, I'm a fellow traveler. I love, I love the random actions you seem to get on the road with different, you, different types of unique characters. So, like, to you, what are some of like your most memorable experiences being out there? Just oh, traveling man, around. So on the, that's a tough question. So many amazing ones. You know, I, I mean, first things that come to mind. I did like a big tour and race in Kyrgyzstan. And people are still nomadic there. So they're yeah. like bringing their herds to the high mountains, the like high pastures in the summer. And they're like setting up yurts and they're just living there. And that was so cool. They all ride horses. They hardly anybody has any cars. And they're so like great at riding horses. They just go straight up the hillside, you know, and to see that people still live like that was incredible. And they were, it was just such a different thing that the landscape was amazing. And I, like never would have known that if I wasn't into cycling and if I hadn't seen pictures of these places, you know? So, I mean, just that you find like so many beautiful places in the world when then everywhere I go, it's like, I think because I'm on a bike, people aren't threatened by me and they're so curious about what I'm doing. So they're always friendly and welcoming and kind. They're like, just curious about what I'm doing. And then they just want to feed me. <laughs> they're like, even if I, we, even if we don't speak the same language, they just like wave me in and then sit me down in front of like a table full of food. <laughs> and then you're like, you're not even talking. You're just eating, you know, and the, but that's like how people have, like, that's how people show that they care about each other. You know, they, yes. they feed each other or they provide shelter or whatever. I mean, that's just wild that, you know, like, I, I feel like I see like the goodness of the world uh, because I see like all this kindness and I've never had a problem. I've never felt in danger or afraid. You know, people have always been good to me. So that's been really great to see. Another like kind of wild part about it is like when I used to do the longer tours, every country would be like, don't cross the border to the next country. It's terrible over there. <laughs> Like, the yeah. people are bad. They will be horrible to you. And then, of mm-hmm. course, they cross the border and they're wonderful. And then they say that about the next country. Like, every single time. I'm like, <laughs> what is going on with these people? <laughs> like, I wish they would just cross their own borders because then they, like, realize they're all good. You know? It's, like, it's just yeah. so funny. It's, like, these kind of patterns. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I've just... I think, you know, probably when it gets most interesting is when things go wrong, like the weather's terrible, because then you really see like the humanity, like I was riding down this awful stretch of road in Canada called the Highway of Tears, Mm. where like all these women have been abducted. I didn't know that before I got on it. I don't think I would have ridden there because it's just, I didn't (coughs) feel like in danger, but I, it's just really creepy. Like there are all these signboards for like women gone missing and i'm on a solo tour so all these people are like do you know you're on this really dangerous stretch of road and i'm super freaked out by the end because i'm like getting paranoid why why are they asking me where i'm going you know or 
are these people going to come after me? And then mm-hmm. I'm like riding through a crazy thunder, lightning, rainstorm, and all these big trucks were passing me because it's just one highway. Yeah. And, um, and I had to stop. I was like, I found like a trailer park, stopped, went into a cafe. And in the end, like these ladies that work there saw me and they're like, where did you come from? And they like come with like bath towels. Oh. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I'm like wrapped in a bath towel in like my rain suit inside like a cafe in like the middle of nowhere, Canada. And then they gave me like quarters to like dry my clothes in the laundry room and like to take a hot shower. This guy that lived there at the trailer park that looked like a crazy person, like let me have his trailer for the night and went and stayed at his friend's house. You know, it's like even people like where you think you're in the worst place in the world, they're still going to like care about how you're doing, you know, or it's like whenever I'm like riding in Alaska where I'm from, I'm like stopped on the side of the road eating a sandwich or something. And then people always stop and just check in. They're like, Oh, are you doing okay? Do you need something? Or like, I I think it really shows like how people actually want to make sure like the people they see are fine and, and that they're like, they care, you know? And it's like, yeah, I don't know if you get that feeling in, in normal life as much. I don't think you do. I also think that you're putting, you're out there putting yourself in extreme circumstances, right? And you're, you're pushing yourself and you also have a good attitude. A wise man once told me, be, you'd be surprised how far a smile could get you. And you're, you're putting out all this good energy into the world. And so you're going to see an, you're going to see the best of humanity, right? There's, there's, there's a, there's a pendulum, but I, 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 I believe in my, my, my heart that most people are really good and most people care about other people. It's just, we've kind of been misled right through social media and whatnot. And everyone is so scared to, they're scared of the other, they're scared of the mm-hmm. virus. They're scared. They're just, they're, they live in a yeah. state of perpetual fear and fear is the mind killer. It is the great, it, it, it kills your ideas, it shrinks your world, it prevents you from having experiences. Whereas mm-hmm. someone like you said, fuck that. Like, that's not how I want to live my life. You're living a very unique life and you're a very unique person, which is why we were so interested in talking to you. Uh, this is, it's, 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 you're living an amazing life. You're living your truth and you're out having all these amazing experiences. And the most beautiful part about it is that everyone can have this same experience. All you, all you need is a little bit of courage and definitely a lot of grit. And you could, you could sign up for one of these races. There's no, there's no entry. You just have to show up and you just have to finish. Well, I would hope that you would want to finish. And, and, and that's kind of like, like, what is the, have, has there ever been a race that you didn't finish? Yes. Uh, thanks for those super kind words. That's amazing. But yeah, there have been two races that I had to p- quit. Uh, the first was the Arizona trail in 2015 because I had like terrible asthma and I couldn't breathe. And so I had to stop. Uh, can you guys still hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can still hear it's you just fine. So, so you, you, okay, cool. you, have you always had asthma? Like, or is this a, like I exercise induced asthma? I think I, I think I've always had it. I just didn't know until I started doing these extreme races. Cause I think mm-hmm. I just pushed myself so much harder that my lungs basically shut down. Actually my first long race 
I was racing down the Rockies mountain bike race. And I actually rode myself to the emergency room on like the fifth or sixth day. <laughs> oh God. It was so awful. Oh my God. I mean, from day one, I was having this like crazy breathing problems where it was like, I just couldn't get any air. It was like breathing through like a little coffee straw mm-hmm. and my lungs Ooh. just had totally shut down. And I was like, but I, I had actually, so I'd ridden from Anchorage, Alaska, my hometown to the start in Banff, like 2,100 miles just to get to the start. I took a week off and then I started the race and I was like, this is going to be the adventure of my life. And then all of a sudden I'm having these breathing problems. I'm like, I don't want to quit. I rode for three weeks to get here. Like I'm not quitting. So I just kind of was just limping along every Mm -hmm. day. I would like, it, it would be okay in the morning. And then it would just by progressively get terrible where I was like Mm. almost unable to even push the pedals because I didn't have any air. And I was, it was such a weird experience because I was like mentally felt so fresh and so good. And then I was like moving in slow motion because I didn't have oxygen. Um, so I rode myself to the emergency room. I got an x-ray of my chest to make sure I didn't have pneumonia. Mm -hmm. And the guy was, the doctor was like, well, you don't have pneumonia so you just have really cloudy lungs, like it's a 70 year old. And then he, he gave me a prescription for an inhaler and like an albuterol treatment. And I felt so much better. It was like, Oh my God, I feel amazing. So then that night I like ride until three in the morning of this like notorious climb called lava mountain. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, because I finally <laughs> felt good. And then I totally crashed the next day where I felt awful again. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, all right, if this doesn't get like better soon, I'm probably going to have to quit because it's just so awful. Um, but then I actually like got better. And so then I could pick up the pace, uh, ride faster, start catching people. And, um, but that's when I learned that I had asthma was during that ride. I, I just had never had like a bad experience like that before. And then like the next, that, that fall, I was doing a time trial. I was trying to set a record on the Arizona trail, this hiking trail across the state. Um, and I, didn't bring an inhaler. I was like, Oh, maybe that was just a problem that one time. And then <laughs> it was a huge mistake. And so now I yeah. definitely know I need an inhaler. Cause I just, my lungs just can't do it. They're like, well, we're dead. Like you can't move. So as long as I bring an inhaler and like kind of, uh, dose it for the, at least the first couple of days, then, you know, I'm always coughing like a smoker, but at least I can still breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first quitting experience. The second was actually last summer. I was going back to this ride through the Rockies to try to, I'm trying to break the men's record. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, there were like horrible, horrible wildfires all in the West, like yes. all down the route. And the air quality was just awful. And uh, like every sunset, the, the sun would just be like blazing orange orb in the sky, like looked like science fiction. I was like, Oh God, like it looked like the world was ending and you couldn't see mm-hmm. the mountains because it was like such heavy smoke. So I rode for about, I think five days and then I got to Butte, Montana, and I was just like, I can't do this. Like, I was riding directly to one of the wildfires and it just getting closer and closer to this, like, center of smoke. <clears throat> they had, like, 
helicopters like dropping water i yeah. mean like fire trucks there and i mean so i stopped the ride which was disappointing but i mean really like the real story of it was like oh my god like our land is burning like this place looks terrible people couldn't even spend like a minute outside you know yeah I, and I you know, you with your as sad. You with your asthmatic lungs, like no way, no way. I, I know. Been, I was I like, I can't breathe. Like I'm out of here. So yeah, though it's just I don't know. It's like this. The Rockies are so beautiful, but it's like now there's a smoke season. It's just how it is, and it's just kind of sad. It's like you can't spend time in this place. It's I don't know, crazy. Yeah. No, I, I th- definitely I, that summer. It was pretty bad where I'm at in Portland, and <clears throat> so uh, we get it. We get it every year. It's it's you don't have too much of a wildfire season in Alaska, do you? There has been there have been some bad ones, but not for the past couple of years. But I mean, it's even like crazy to see that up there because it's like growing up we had like very temperate climate, South Cent- Central Alaska. Like it's just basically gray and kind of drizzly all the time in the summer, mm-hmm. like not a very nice summer, but that's mm-hmm. just, that's how it actually should be. And now it's like, sometimes the weather gets into the nineties. No shit. Know? It's like, Whoa, like that should not be happening, but it does. It's just, yeah, it's kind of crazy to see, but it does make you like realize like it's, it's good to have kind of rainy, wet weather. It's good for the earth. So now I'm not so, not like, oh, bummed out when it's like rainy because I'm like, oh, that's actually good. It's not going to be, it's not going to be burning, hopefully. Yeah. So do you have any, uh, do you have any races coming up um, after this one that you completed in Spain? Is there another one you're? I do. Yeah. Oh I'm goodness. actually doing one uh, next week. I'm trying to, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know it's kind of a tight turn turnaround. I hope that I recover. Um I'm doing a race called the Trans-Balkan Race, and it's the first year of the event. It goes starts in Slovenia and goes through Croatia, Bosnia, and Montenegro, all on, like, a mountain bike. And it's the – yeah, I think it's just – I've ridden a bit in the Balkans, and I loved it. It's like all of former Yugoslavia. Yeah. And every country has kind of its own character, its own language – its own culture, definitely one of those places where they're like, don't go to the next country. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> but they're 100%. all awesome. Yeah, like I love them in kind of rocky, arid terrain and really good food. And um, I think it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be really new for me, mm-hmm. um, but I'm I'm looking forward to that. I just hope that I, you know, basically right now I'm like I'm not breathing well. My hands really hurt. Uh, my knees hurt. But I'm like, okay, maybe next week everything will be just. So <laughs> <laughs> are there, are you, are you, uh, are there going to be any of your race partners, right? Uh, from this race going to the next race? Are you, you kind of. No. Wow. Yeah. None of them are going to this one, but uh, yeah, it's being put on by a couple that I raced with in the past. Actually, mm-hmm. the race I did in Kyrgyzstan, the guy was there. And then he was inspired by that race to, he's an Italian, but he wanted to make a race through the Balkans. So he went out with his partner and they kind of scouted it all by bikes. And they just really want people to come like ride it and see these places. And, you know, when people have that kind of passion for putting on the event, their heart's definitely in the right place. And and I want to support that, you know. So 
I think it'll be fun. I, I'm not even worried about how I'll do. I always go into this and I'm like, I just want to finish. Of course I want to win, but like so many things can happen, you know, that like can kind of get in the way. And really it's like the main goal is to, to not have to quit. Yes. Sometimes you have to, but like if I can, any, if I can do anything to like get it together, just to kind of make it to the finish line, that's what I'll do. Yeah. That, so uh, I, I kind of, I think, what was your hardest ride? And I want to know, I know we talked about the two, but the, the hard, hardest ride that you were able to complete where you just, you, you had to use everything. That's really what I'm yeah, curious Yeah, I just did that actually. So I told you I had to quit the Arizona Trail in 2015. Mm-hmm. I just went back and finished it this April. And it's, ha, oh, it's brutal. It's a mountain, it's a hiking trail. So it's like a lot of it's super rocky where you just have to walk, push your bike. Mm-hmm. And it includes uh, a hike through the Grand Canyon. Ooh. And you're not allowed to have your wheels on the ground at all. So you have to pack your bike <laughs> into a backpack and carry it through. It's insane. And it's like your bike's so like long and heavy and awkward that you're just like, you feel like a pack mule. You're just like, oh, for 24 miles, 6,000 feet down across the Colorado River and then 7,000 feet up. Who the fuck and I was made just that? Like, Dear God. Wait, I'm sorry. Why are you doing this to yourself? (laughs) I'm all for the right across everything else. That's just, that's just torture. Isn't that crazy? Well, it's like, that's wild. I mean, the thing is like the U S has very strict rules about like, you can't bring your bike into wilderness. You're not supposed to ride this trail. So they made an exception for the grand Canyon for the Arizona trail, but you can't ride it. You could just carry it. But anywhere else you can't even carry a bike in wilderness, which is so crazy because it's like, you're allowed to ride horses you're allowed to bring like pack goats. I mean, like, like is a bike going to cause more damage than an animal? I don't think so. Yeah. You're actually like stomping on the trail. You know, I'm just like rolling, but yeah, I don't know. It's just part of it. And the other thing is like, yeah, it sucks to carry a bike, but there's almost no more beautiful place than the grand Canyon. It's amazing. So even, even with the bike, I'm still like astounded by the beauty of the place. And it was really the thing where it's like, I had to quit that ride. So I had to go back and finish it. Cause I'm yes. like something like that. It's like, I can't just let it go. It's like always on my mind. And I actually bought a house in Tucson, Arizona this year. So I live there. So I'm like, this is my state. I have to go do this. And I had a window to just go do it where, I mean, the other tough thing is it's re- really hard with the weather because the desert's so, so hot. And then it goes up to like 10,000 feet where there's still snow so it's like getting a chance to like actually be able to travel the whole trail. is kind of tricky. Um, so I found, I was like, it was April. I was like, I'm just going to give it a go and see if I can make it. And the, by the end, like in the beginning, it was like, you know, 90 degrees. And then by the end, it was like still tons of snow on the ground and all these down trees that I had to like carry my bike over. Cause nobody had maintained the trail for the whole year. Oh man. Wow. But it was wild. But I got to see so much. I mean, like the timing was amazing worth seeing like the cactus bloom. Like they all had flowers, pink and white and all these bright colors and all these wildflowers. So to see all that, to see the desert so full of life was really incredible. But it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It's like, oh my God, this is just relentless. How bad were your sunburns after that? 
oh my God, I was so tan. <laughs> I was like, you know, just looked like somebody that like never went inside in their life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and then I have like blue eyes. So they're just like, like, you know, like kind of like jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. You, you look, you look like, you look like a member of the Furman. I don't know if you've seen the movie Dune or read the books, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, just out there. Yeah, I mean, and uh, the other thing with this trail is like, there's like only food every, like somewhere to buy food every hundred miles, which it would take me like more than a day to get there. So I was like packing like whole cheesecakes, like in individual (laughs) pieces. (laughs) Because I was like, well, at least it's like super dense with calories. And I was like, it always tastes good. But like, this stuff I was eating was just like it totally insane, you know, because because I couldn't find food for so long, and then water's also super limited, so it was everything about it was hard. It was like never ending challenges. Yeah. Do you use um like uh, I have a platypus gravity um water filtration system? Do you carry something like that with you just in case you run across a, a stream or something? You can just go ahead and filter just, the water. I just drink it. Oh my God. You're going to get Girardia. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had Girardia just, yet? No, I just, I started drinking. I was doing this tour from Alaska down to the start of the Rockies race in 2015. And I had one of those like UV filter pens. Yeah. 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 Those are good. And I was like using it in a, and I was like, I don't even think this is doing anything. So I just sent it home. And after that, I was like, I'm just going to drink the water. No, Whatever water I find, I'm just drinking it. And I've done that ever since. You're Okay. Well, you're, I don't, you know what? I'm not going to hate the play. It's super fucking risky. You should not do this. Like you need to just get the pen. Get the, you don't want Girardia. You do not want this. No. I know. And then people that have had it have been like telling me about their symptoms. I'm like, oh, that sounds awful. Yeah, and then sounds- I'm still just drinking the water. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> at this point, you've probably got to be um, slightly immune to it. Yeah, I've if got you've, like if a- you've, j- you've just been doing this literally all over gut. the world, right? So, so- yeah, exactly. I'm like in Kyrgyzstan by like a flock of sheep filling yeah, up water. I mean, that's disgusting. This is what I'm trying to say. Like, you're not always going to have water from like a quick moving stream. So yeah, like, it's not you just, like Alaska. Yeah, no. Or the or Oregon or wherever, the, the PNW. Like, it's, listen, I get it. I, I've done it. I've, of course, I've had drank water. I'm you straight. get thirsty. You're yeah, like, I, I just need water. Just, can you please just put the pen <laughs> back in the water get a water filtration system just let's, oh man i'll so, think about it but please, i'm not gonna do it i no. know you're not <laughs> i know that you're not gonna do this. and don't, this is the problem is like normally i'm the irresponsible person but by far you are way more irresponsible than me and i love it i love it okay oh, so man. what are you doing for recovery are you you doing the yeah. sauna cold you know doing cold uh, ice baths anything like that no, not really. Cause we're in Spain right now. So I don't really have like access to that, but I'm just resting and eating a lot. And, um, yeah, not much else. I brought some like kind of CBD tiger balm lotion that feels good, mm-hmm. but you know, at least like this race was all on road and they have really like smooth roads here. So mm-hmm. I feel like it was less pain and impact than a lot of the mountain bike stuff. Cause it's, that stuff just so rough yeah. you know, that it hurts a lot more. <clears throat> so I think the recovery will be pretty fast. 
Okay. I hope so because I need to be ready in a week. <laughs> Jeez, and, and these these races take weeks. That's the crazy thing. How long you? I mean, you've ridden what two thousand miles, eighteen hundred from Oregon to Virginia. It was actually four thousand two hundred. Oh, I was way off. What? Yeah, that was the longest race I've ever done. It's called the Trans Am, and it took me eighteen days, ten minutes. So that's an average of 237 miles a day for 18 days. Oh, it was mind numbing. Was that I mean, all people road? race around the world. It was all road and it was a heat wave. It hit 106, like half of the days. I was talk about sunburn. Holy shit. My skin like burnt and peeled off twice. I had blisters. It was horrible. <laughs> I was oh. like, this is insane. And starting from, we started in Astoria, Oregon, and then went a little bit down the coast and then across. I mean, then through like John Day, Eastern Oregon, yeah. and it was just hot as hell. I think we rode through something called like Hell's Canyon. Yes, you did. And I was like, this is real. Like, this <laughs> is terrible. But there was like a stream of water. And this is like, when I got to that point, it was just so hot. And that's when I was like, I, I just started jumping in creeks with all of my clothes on, even my shoes. Because oh, yeah. I was like, I felt like I was going to lose my mind. It was so hot. Oh, and then yeah. I'd be like soaking wet for like, you know, half an hour and, and cooled down. And then it would just, everything would just dry and evaporate. And then I would just be like, I'm going to die out here. Oh, <laughs> it was man. so hot. And I think, you know, it's just, it was just the season. It was early June and it was a heat wave and mm -hmm. that was kind of the luck of it. But yeah, that race was my first road race. The last road race I did since this one last week. Uh, cause I usually ride mountain or, or dirt roads. Mm -hmm. Um, but I actually ended up winning the whole thing. I caught the guy in first on the final night oh, wow. and beat him to the finish. It was like the most exciting finish of my life. I was like cutting sleep to catch him and I got him. <laughs> oh man. You know, it doesn't get much better than that. Cause like you spend for a race, that's 4,000 miles. It's like you spend a lot of time alone because you're not, like riding the exact same pace as somebody else or they're mm -hmm. sleeping somewhere else or, you know, everybody's kind of making their own plans. So you end up spending a lot of time alone. So actually to like get to race somebody, the finish was the best. Oh, I bet. Yeah. You, you, you were actually like neck and neck with this dude towards, yeah. Oh wow. That would be, that it would was be nice. so cool. Yeah. For like probably like 20 miles. And I was just, we still had like 130 miles to go and I was just sprinting. Like it was like the finish line. Wow. So I was like, this is my chance to get him. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is wild. That is, how do you overcome that? How do you keep going? When most people want to quit, right? That And what you're doing is you have blisters, your skin's peeling. Oh my God. Y you know, how oh do God. you keep going? A lady at the gas station, like gifted me a chapstick. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> my lip was like split open <sighs> because the sun is just so harsh. I looked like a train wreck. I actually at one point got a flat tire and I was fixing it. And this couple would not believe that I hadn't crashed because I looked so bad. <laughs> they're, they're trying to take it. They're trying to take it they're in like, the hospital. You, you crashed. You crashed. And I was like, No, I just got a flat tire. I just look like this. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, how, I mean, keep going. It's like something like that. It did feel pretty awful sometimes. Like those were pretty tough conditions, but I'm like, well, 
at some point I thought this was a good idea. So I better just stick with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I'm not going to like ride five days and quit. Cause then I know I'm going to have to go back and do it again. Like that's a lot of work that I already put in. So yeah. I've got to just go for it. And then, I mean, it's like, yeah, there are some hours that are awful, but then it's like, you see a beautiful sunset and you feel amazing and it makes it like all kind of make sense again. So it's kind of these waves of emotion where it's like, these amazing highs of riding through beauty and feeling incredible. And then like the lows can be pretty rough, but I guess over time I've just realized like I try not to get too deep into a hole of like, cause you can tell yourself like, Oh, you're not good enough. You're not doing a good job, but it's like, that's not going to help. It's not going to make me ride any faster. You know, it's like, if I feel awful, I just try to ride the best I can and then know that, you know, maybe an hour later I'll feel better. Yeah. It's, you just, it's been a kind of a process of figuring out like how to keep feeling positive while, while all this is happening. But I've gotten, I've gotten better at it and I actually am like enjoying myself most of the time. I think that there's something to be said about the, the waves that you mentioned, right? Like if you look at, you know, we got 1.5 million year old software in our brains and we're, uh, we're curious by nature. We like to explore. And so the life that you're living you're able to just, you're seeing, you're, you're also not stuck behind a screen. So your field of vision is much, much broader than, than normal human beings. So you're able to see, like, you're able to pick something on that horizon and say, like, that's where I need to get to. And yeah. it's going to, it might suck. And it might suck right now, but you know what? The sun's coming up and I got, you know, there's going to be a creek right. here, according to the map. Maybe I'll stop at the creek get my feet wet and I'm just going to keep going. So you always have an attainable goal that's on that horizon. And it's very clear to you because you're in, you know, our most natural state, which is in nature. That's where you spend most of your time. So it's like Mm -hmm. super, it's amazing that you you're living this lifestyle, but that, you know, I'm, I'm what, what interests me is what is what makes people tick and how, how you persevere and how you can show grit and character. Cause I'm looking to incorporate any of that into my life to be a better human. And, uh, from what you're telling me, I got to start racing bikes, man. Like this, oh, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in. No this seems awesome. I told you to buy a mountain bike, Rick, let's go. I I've got a cycle cross thing. Let's do it, dude. I might do it. I might do it. I'm yeah. Like, you should definitely, I mean, Everybody loves the feeling of riding a bike. You know, it's like being a kid. You get on that first pedal stroke, you feel the wind go through your hair and you're like, yeah, like, you know, you're about to go do something fun, you know, and I feel like it never gets old. Like I I have that feeling every single time, you know, and that's like something that I really want to share with people. It's like, you don't have to race, but I think everybody will have fun riding a bike. It's just, it's just a fun feeling. It's a fun thing to do. And it's like, it's yeah, low commitment. You can go, you can do whatever you want with it. So I definitely think you should ride. Oh, definitely. It's been, it's been a minute. I, I was actually in Virginia with my brother and uh, my girlfriend. We rode the Reaper trail and it's like an 18 mile bike ride cool. downhill. That was the last, that was like last summer though. I'm, I'm, I'm buying a bike. Damn it. This is John. It's, yeah, it's the season, it. you know, it's almost June. Yeah, it's time. And you live in Portland, bike city of the U.S. It is. They it's, all ride bikes. The cars even stop for you there. It's incredible. Yes, this is, this is true. Have you <laughs> had Nowhere some, else do they do that. 
<laughs> <laughs> have you had some pretty sketch moments? Like, have you have you been hit? Or, you know? I have, but a long time ago. Like, okay. kind of those early days, I was hit twice, uh, but nothing too bad. Like, just kind of knocked down. Um, the first one, the girl, it was like a young woman, and she was so terrified. She felt so bad that I was actually calming her down. Oh, <laughs> I was like, it's okay. She's like hyperventilating. Because, <laughs> oh, I mean, what a terrible experience that yeah. is to hit somebody. Yeah. Um, and then the second one, I was riding to work and they didn't even stop no they just kept fucking hit and run they hit and ran your ass yeah they just hit me i went down and they just drove away and i was like fucking what i was like are you kidding me and then i'm like going to work at this brewery and i get there i got hit by a car and it's totally dead and they're like, oh, you can go home. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then the bartender's like, oh, I'll buy you a beer. And the beers for like employees were like a dollar. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, That's unreal, you know. But that was like that was like the last time, and that's like 15 years ago or something. So Fortunately, I haven't been hit since, but yeah, it's always, I mean, that's definitely the biggest risk as a cyclist. You know, people are always like, oh, aren't you afraid of running into bears? And I'm like, no. You're from Alaska, dude. (laughs) I mean, really though, it's like, oh, you like people's fears, like animals or, you know, camping. But I'm like, no, the the reality is like cars are the biggest threat. Yeah. A hundred percent cars and, and like. You're from Alaska, so you're hanging out with brown bears, moose. There's wolves up there. But they're there's, so cool to see. You know, like um, these, yes. animals, these big animals are actually there. Like right now, I'm in Europe, and uh, they're like all terrified of animals because there aren't any here. But I'm like, it's actually really cool to see them. Yeah, you know, it's like, and I've, you know, they're they don't want to like threaten you. I mean, the, the the animal would have to be like a psychopath to like try to attack you. You know, like like people, they're just yeah. kind of doing their thing. Exactly. I'm excited. I'm I'm actually heading to Alaska for the first time this summer, cool. going on a fishing trip. So, I am. Ah, fun. Hopefully, I'll get to see a a grizzly bear and maybe. Yeah, a, where are you going? Um, ooh, Ketchikan or around Ketchikan yeah, area. Yeah, cool. Southeast. Yeah. Yep, southeast. Oh, you'll definitely see black bears for sure. There's yeah. so many there. There are hopefully any grizzlies though. I don't know in Southeast. Yeah. Yeah. Actually it's possible. Okay, That's a cool. cool area. It's like a rainforest. Yes. Crazy yeah. huge trees. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, yeah, <clears throat> I got a, cool. I just had to buy a freezer recently cause I'm, I'm planning on just slaying cool. these salmon, bringing it back. Yeah. But. Oh, that'd be so good. Oh That's yeah. Super cool. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, like I, I just can't, I can't get over how awesome of a person you are and how you're very inspiring. And if like, if you're ever in, in Oregon or Portland again, let me know. I'd love to, love to take you to dinner, John. And I'd love to, love to see you. Um, and, and I really appreciate, appreciate you being on the podcast. If you have uh, do you, you know, this is your time to shout out any sponsors or do you have a social media or anything like that? I do. It's just my name, Lael Wilcox. And my uh, wife takes all the pictures, and she's a photojournalist, so they're really, really good. Um, yeah, and we've got tons of good videos on YouTube that are all free. That's the main thing is, like, I'm 
I'm really you know, motivated to share my story because like I, I kind of fell into this, you know, I just did it because I, that's what I wanted to do. But I'm like, people don't have to do these really extreme versions, but I feel like they, they'd enjoy the biking part, biking in adventure, going for an overnight. You know, this is something that should be very attainable to a lot of people and has really changed my life. So um, love to share that. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on. We'll definitely have you on again. And I wish you luck on your upcoming race. Thank you. Thank you so much. So good to meet you. And yeah, we'd love to meet you in Portland. Absolutely. We'll have a, oh, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, I'm buying a mountain bike. Hold me to that. I'm going to, I'm going to start riding. I'm, I'm inspired. I'm fired up. Uh, like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please leave us five stars on iTunes. It helps the show grow. And uh, we'll see you next week, folks. Peace. Thank you.